0: Well, sometimes the market gets things wrong, and right now, perceptions about a collapse in radio audiences because of the COVID lockdown, working from home, and the cratering of daily work commutes could well be a prime example of a market myth. That's certainly the view of Brian Gallagher, Southern Cross Austereo's Chief Sales Officer, whose one million streaming app listeners are telling him a very different story around the radio market. To keep Brian in check in this conversation, we're joined by Joe Dick, Omnicom Media Group's Head of Partnerships for Out of Home and Audio. So welcome to you both. Brian Gallagher, has the market got it wrong on radio?
1: Well, you know what they say, Paul, timing is everything in the entertainment game and today is Survey 2. So um, Survey 2 says um, average audiences are up and cume's are holding steady beautifully. So... The market got it wrong. We've got audiences in abundance and we were very, very happy across the last few weeks watching the dramatic increase in our streaming uh, services and really watching very closely that shape of day, reacting to that shape of day by taking our breakfast later and bringing some of our daytime uh, programming earlier. And I think um, even though there's only two weeks of COVID activity as such in the survey to uh, book. Um, At the moment, it looks
2: like it's holding up very, very well.
0: Joe Brian says the market has it all wrong. What's what's your take?
2: Look, when um, the lockdown started and obviously more people were not leaving their houses, some of the commentary that came back to me pretty much immediately was, um, if people aren't leaving their houses to go to work, therefore people mustn't be listening to the radio as much, breakfast and drive sessions must be down. So that that kind of correlation between I'm listening to the radio in my car and I'm not in my car, therefore those audiences must be affected, definitely came through as some of the questions I was being asked. So we really went back to um, the stations to ask them what kind of, what, what data points do you have that can underpin the fact that those audiences are there Is there any change in the way that consumers are listening because we need to know this information we need to know that the anecdotal evidence that we're seeing in the market in terms of less cars on the road is that really affecting breakfast drive or any daytime listing for that matter
0: i'll come back to what the market said to you joe but brian at this point you'd have a skip in your step i'd imagine what's the data from those one million streaming app users saying talk us through that
1: yeah um we've got a extraordinary uh, amount of people listening to us on their computers, on their apps, on their uh, devices and also increasingly on smart speakers, uh, which is a real marketplace for us now. And we're seeing this every day in the streaming data that's hard data that we're getting through our servers. So we actually spent the time pre-survey two coming out, pushing out to the market like shape of day data so that we could actually you know, for those media buyers that weren't quite as uh, proactive as as Joe's team in asking for that information and really trying to research the facts around this. Um, we've been punching out through trade uh, media and various uh, channels and with direct presentations to the um, to the buyers uh, what the new shape of day looks like. And um, I guess when you're talking about comparing the currency, which is obviously a diary based survey. Um, with the real-time data points that we're getting every day, a little bit frustration of frustration that we're held to a long-term sort of survey look of the business when, on the other hand, we've got this daily, um, almost like, uh, you know, TV overnight data that's telling us that, you know, the listenership is in very, very good shape. And we are experiencing sort of 34 35% increases in catch-up radio listening through the podcasts of our popular morning and drive shows being um, tapped into through podcasting, Um, our daily listenership being up 21% over the course of the last month. These are pretty dramatic numbers.
0: So your streaming data is showing a shift to companionship, I think, is your point,
1: Brian? Yeah, I think radio is, is, is companionship. It's companionship already in a number of the uh, core demographics for radio. And I mean, um, I think AM radio uh, is a good example of the radio in the home uh, turned on all day long for those older demographics. And you can see that in, in time spent listening. What we're seeing on the streaming data is two and a half hour listener sessions um, and greater. Um, which is a real departure from the kind of data that you get from the book. Um, and uh, I guess what we surmise from that is that um, people are set up to work from home and what we're seeing is a a, a slower than usual ramp up in the streaming data. So, uh, you know, the 6am commute, the 7am commute being replaced by family quality time there. And then what we're seeing is that 8, 9, 10 a.m. increase in in users. And that was one of the reasons why we determined several weeks ago that we would uh, expand our breakfast shows to finish at 10 a.m. Because what we were seeing in the streaming data is an audience willing and able to engage on top of that increase in um, breakfast usage and the extension of that hour if you like um, we were also seeing a dramatic you know uh, increase in uh, in catch-up breakfast listening which was i guess a little bit surprising because we're getting those additional digital audiences and we're getting it again on catch-up so quite a few quite dramatic changes so we basically have suggested through the data that we're getting that radio is really a a good companion medium for those work days. And we know that already from uh, the amount of um, PC-based listening that we get in normal times, that there's quite a large amount of uh, workplace listening going on.
0: So, Joe, the problem, I guess, with Brian's argument is his data is not the industry currency for radio. No one will trade on it, will they?
2: Okay. You're right. It's his data and uh, other networks have got similar data suggesting there's been an uplift in streaming, but it's not part of the the currency that we buy to, but it's it's giving us confidence in terms of the fact that there are definitely the audience numbers there that were there before, which is good. And in fact, there's more of them, which is even better. But those metrics really need to be part of the way surveys are produced. I mean, all of this data is sitting there, being used by the individual networks, is not going to be helpful in the longer term when we get out of this and return to normal circumstances. Any data you're seeing really needs to play a role in the overall currency. Now, if it's such big numbers and we need to find a way that those numbers can also form part of our currency to allow us to buy to those numbers, with confidence, so yes, we will definitely take those numbers into consideration when we're reviewing audience numbers, and it's really reassuring to know that those audiences haven't dropped away, and it's interesting to know that the audiences have changed in the way that they're consuming the, the medium, in terms of I say uh, as a smoothing of the curve rather than those peaks and troughs and breakfast and drives that we traditionally see in, in the survey books. So if there was a way I think to take this time to to look and see how that data can be incorporated for future surveys, for for future understanding, and really to get to that holy grail of that overnight delivery of numbers, because that is really what we're looking for here. The more immediacy of of the numbers and the currency. You're right, survey two um, doesn't cover the whole of COVID, so it doesn't show the whole picture. I think underpinning that with your, your numbers and, and the other network's numbers definitely allows us to review those those figures and to recommend where possible um, radio as a channel to, to communicate to consumers. The positive results from Survey 2 is good. If it had been different, then it would have been a, a, a very different conversation that we'd be having with our clients. It definitely talks the fact that... Um, we probably need to review how we're advertising on radio more so do we really need to be hitting those breakfast and drive points as much as we used to do we really look to change our communication so yes while the numbers might be there I think it's the trends that we will look to to revisit how we would plan our activity across the day rather than those traditional spikes that we may have previously really honed in on.
0: Brian, just regarding that diary measurement, do you have a plan? Is there is there an alternative?
1: There's always a plan and our plan um, is short-term and long-term um, and our short-term plan is a singular plan for uh, SCA and, and in that plan we're sitting there looking at tens of millions of weekly impressions delivered um, digitally over our in-stream network. So our short-term plan is to sell that. Um, because that doesn't require diary currency. That is digital audio and, um, you know, basically that's in-stream advertising, which we already do, but we are ramping up on that because we are already seeing a doubling and tripling in our briefs for this area because the media buyers are savvy enough to know this in-stream addressable advertising, you know, audience, you know, it's growing and it's real and it's gotten to scale. So the short term plan is to double down on our efforts to develop our in-stream advertising product and we're fully engaged with that. The longer term plan is a is an industry-based plan and and essentially the industry is looking at more hybrid methodologies that give greater depth and frequency to
0: the audience in the way we report it. Can I get this right though Brian? Are you saying that digital buyers are accepting the data that you're producing but the broadcast traditional broadcast radio buyers are, are less receptive to that data being a proxy for that for as a currency
1: well i think that the digital buyers don't see anything unusual about impression based selling (laughs) because that's the way they do business so we're right in the market there and the difference being we're now we're now at scale we've got millions and millions of impressions a day to resolve in that space so that's just bau for any of our media buyers that uh, have come through uh, in the digital world. That's an easy. That's an easy pitch. Um, what's more difficult is to take a system that's built around a certain level of currency, and then to utilise different data as a proxy for that currency. So that's where the media buyers don't want to be taking a risk and saying, "Well, okay, until I see the survey data." You know, I, I accept that what you're saying is a very strong lead indicator that the that the movement of audiences has changed, but i'm dealing I'm going to deal with this currency that I have right here because that's what my clients are signing off on right now. So we've got to, We've got a little bit of uh, – there's a little bit of understanding there and I think what's going to be uh, the next challenge that we face in the short term is how do we work with the media buyers uh, when we are going on a hard stop on survey two until such times as we can put human beings back in field to do another survey. Um, you know, and, and as we've indicated to the market, that, that'll be, you know, towards Q4 of the calendar year before the next survey comes out. So what we've actually got to do right now is sit down with – people like Joe and, and figure out what does currency look like and what we, can we agree to um, and how will we trade in the coming few months.
0: Joe, this disconnect or is there this disconnect uh, on the buy side between broadcast and digital buyers around the data that Brian's talking about?
2: There are different ways of buying, right? So he's talking about the streaming audience there uh, where, where we're able to buy a, a an addressable audience, which is really attractive. And... Until recently, they haven't really had scale across the industry to make it a really robust solution. So personalised, addressable audio ads is a great solution. But then the other flip side of that, you've got this um, currency of the diaries. And and having said that, there's still 30% of of that um, survey that goes online that is the currency for the traditional buyers how we evaluate individual sessions when we're trying to do specific strategies that is the currency we are looking to 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 give us those answers to help us put forward those recommendations i think now though it is the time if we are ever looking for a change in the industry to move away from the heavy reliance we've had on diaries for so long this is the catalyst for that change it's not the first time that we've been affected by things that have happened that have prevented diaries from being collected. So, it, it, we've got to start to future proof that methodology of going out and collecting diaries so we've got some surveys to look after, to look out for, and to use as our currency. Because we're not future proofing ourselves if we continue to just go back and go, we need to have a pause, this has happened, this has happened, we can't produce Survey X. We've got all this data at our fingertips. It's really producing different methodology that will allow us to have a better understanding and a quicker understanding. The speed to market is really critical in this stage.
0: Joe, what do you want to see then? What's ideal?
2: Overnight would be amazing.
0: Can you do that, please, Brian? Is the industry up for this and the urgency that Joe talks about?
1: Yeah, I think the industry is definitely up for 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 a changing currency, which is why they're well advanced in 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 terms of the design of a new uh, of a new process. So, uh, and I'm I'm excited about that because it it it's one of the things that's a handbrake on 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 radio growth is this you know consistent perception that that radio takes a tactical role uh, in campaigning and um, you know uh we have done as a business a lot of supplementary data around um, brand effectiveness brand awareness campaign effectiveness um we've just introduced a new um attribution um, tool to our business which basically um you know takes broadcast logs and matches them with google analytics so that we can start to you know draw a line between what we're doing on air and how much impact we're giving a client um and that that sort of stuff Uh, is the stuff that we have to do, um, which is additional costs to our business on top of the normal research costs, because we are constantly trying to get um, clients and buyers to see radio as a top of funnel and bottom of funnel medium. Um, And so anything as an industry that we can do is something that's going to be able to help us um, speed up on that.
0: Joe did say, though, Joe did say overnights would be on the wish list. Can you do that?
1: Well, look, uh, just speaking for myself and, and for our products, we are very, very heavily invested in sport we don't get the benefit of being able to drag our football ratings out of our our survey data in a meaningful way. And so for me, I would love to be able to do that because um, it's going to justify a a better ROI for us on that investment because we we know that that kind of content cuts through so well and drives audiences and we see it in the streaming data. But again, it's not currency. So, yeah, I'm I'm up for that because... um, you know, it's it's going to deliver us a premium revenue solution.
0: Joe, what's your hunch, though, realistically, on overnights? Will the industry step up and what's the ideal timing?
2: Look, I think now is the time to really, for the industry to review what the priorities are and how quickly they can put those priority markets to work. It's not going to happen overnight. I get that. It will be baby steps that you've got to bring everyone on the journey with you, including advertisers. So... I would hope to have it up uh, by this time next year. In reality, I'd like to see a, a larger portion of measurement through online metrics that will allow us to at least glean some learnings from that kind of data. There are ways to do it. There are ways to produce information more readily and more quickly and at scale that I don't think we've explored so far. And as I said, now is the time to really reflect and to future-proof ourselves so we're not caught in these situations again where we'll have such a long hiatus between the currency.
0: These new metrics you talk about, Joe, will it actually help the the radio sector grow any share or will it just help them keep what they've got? What's the outtake of of them doing this?
2: It's probably a little bit of both. It's, I think, really gonna get radio moving into the modern era era in terms of measuring their channel, the way that other channels can be measured, like TV or immediately like online. So they've got to do that as as kind of housekeeping anyway. We can't rely on these old metrics that we've had in the past to continue and and want to grow the medium. So, yes, it should stabilise it, but it may well introduce new advertisers to the medium, the ones who are used to to seeing immediate results, understanding immediately overnight um, what the size of the audience that they hit looked like. So from that respect, you may well see um, a larger portfolio of
0: clients um, considering the medium. Brian, is this part of what you talk about in in this word pivot that everyone loves to use, but it's a pivot from radio to audio? And to Joe's point about um, getting new advertisers uh, and more response and demand-driven advertisers, that's, I'm sure, keen to you. But you also mentioned about brand. So we'll go to brand as well. But firstly, the point around the pivot from radio to audio, is that meaningful?
1: It's meaningful and you can see it. If I'm saying our total listening hours at the moment on digital devices are 9.1 million listening hours a month, that we've got 8 million active streams every month, you know, that we've got, you know, 1.1 plus million listeners engaging across that, that activity just on our network alone. So you can times that by Probably three and a half to get the number. The addressable audience um, in that digital audio environment is now massive. So the holdback there is the holdback that the that all traditional media platforms have, which are ad tech and audience measurement. Until traditional media platforms can present themselves in the same manner as our major competition, which are socials and search platforms, which have very nicely dashboarded uh, interfaces to get to those audiences effectively quickly. And let's put aside the the audience measurement metrics and the, you know, wall garden approach to, you know, data that those vendors take, as traditional media industries start to get to that point where we're very nicely dashboarded with ease of access and all the rest of it and where we've got clear measurement metrics that are, you know, essentially as as in real time as we can, those two things, measurement and ad tech, are the things that elevate our platforms. They are the things that take away the the, the the barrier between the kind of trading we want to do and the kind of trading that our competitors in those digital
0: platforms are currently doing. Joe says Joe says twelve months ideal for overnights and, and whatever new currency, what do you say?
1: It's achievable. You know, the first thing that we will deliver as an industry in the audio space is for our traditional broadcast platforms, slated for launch in August, is the automation of our of our um, of our offering, so that all of the manual processes and email based processes that currently exist to get a booking away go away, and we actually as an industry on on one footing, um, uh, automated in our approach to our, our clients and and media buying partners. And I think that's a big step. And then the CRA has a project ongoing right now with GFK around hybrid audience measurement, a hybrid radio audience measurement program. And we're also already seeing data coming out of that that is extremely encouraging. And it's data that actually matches the shape of day that we're currently seeing in our streaming data. So... Whereas an in industry, we're advancing; uh, those uh, those initiatives are being taken. Um, the the CRA is driving that.
0: How, how far away are they? How far off is is that it to be in market? Do you think?
1: Well, I think it's hard to say at this point because it's in, it's a de, it's in development, and um, and there are a lot of other players that have to agree to a lot of other things. So, um, it's not like it's a standing start, Paul. It's 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 being developed right now. So. Um, I, I can't put a time frame on it, but it's not, it's not long term.
0: Okay, so when Joe says this should be this time now COVID should serve as a catalyst to fast track some of this, um, some of these initiatives, will the industry take that on?
1: I think the industry's taking it on and it's just a question of, of making sure that it's right right? So that's 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 the first thing. Individual firms will do what they need to do to pivot out of this uh, crisis. So as an industry, the, the one thing that will pivot strongly is access through automation. We can tick that box. That'll be done this year. The next thing from my business is that we will offer up um, millions of consumers uh, through an addressable radio product where the currency is not in question and the, um, the DMP is providing buyers with, you know, uh, you know, loan purchase intenders or car purchase intenders or any other subset of, um, of, of, of purchase intender or other activity or um, personas that the media buyers want to buy. They can buy that through audio at scale and we will deliver that. I know our competitors will be delivering that. And I think that is a major pivot that changes the way that um, media buyers will look at audio because, you know, currently in the audio, uh, digital audio space, you've got Spotify and you've got, I think, um, the, the, the radio broadcasters operating somewhat on the fringes. Well, I think that is the big pivot that will happen, um, you know, and it's happening right now, is that we will be um, major providers of digital audio inventory. And I think that is a, that is a major step forward. And then for our, our for our broadcast platforms, um, much harder to get right uh, in terms of that kind of data that Joe wants. But we are we are working uh, very diligently with GFK at the moment on, and via the CRA uh, to get to that point. I just can't give you a date date on that
0: one. We'll let you off just for now, Joe. The digital transformation that that Brian talks about, that will will shake up the industry. Do you buy that? Buy that that it's going to be transformative?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the the automation movement that's a massive tick. I mean, just being able to remove some of the heavy lifting around transactions, as Brian mentioned, the backwards and forwards of emails is archaic. So getting that up and running at the end of this year or before the end of this year actually is going to be a big game changer for radio. It really moves it into that um, space where you can make the bookings with ease quickly then move on and that's really what you want to be doing. You don't want to be spending time locking in spots and dots for half the day then checking confirmation. So from that perspective a big Big tick against the radio industry for getting that up and running as a group, so that is amazing. In terms of the trajectory that the digital audience is, is um going through, again, we haven't had scale. So you think about where we were maybe 18 months ago. It was yeah, good to see, interesting to look at, not really worth spending a lot of time considering as part of a buy because it just didn't have the scale there. But now, since the audiences are growing, consumer habits are changing, and I think post this, we'll see an even bigger change in the way that people listen to radio. It's now part of a buy that a programmatic person can look to incorporate into an audio strategy, which I think is where the radio industry has been itching to get to. Consider us alongside other audio platforms that you're buying, because we will add this, this and this, it's addressable, it's accountable, it's transparent, all the things that um, from, a, from a digital perspective, we want our audio buys to be. So that's really good. And it, it's taken some time to get there, but all the networks have been um, growing their audiences um for the last, as I
0: said, 18 months. We're about to wrap this up, but I, I Brian, there's, there's a couple of uh, of points that you made earlier around brand and performance. You, you've got a little bit of a, a uh, an agenda there about how the market also may be misreading the role that radio can play uh, for brand building. I think that's right.
1: Yeah, I, look, I, I, I've only been in the radio game for five years, so it's like, it's, it's, it's like you're in the advertising industry working in Sydney and then you move to Perth and you've been there for 10 years and they still say that you're that bloke from Sydney. Um, it's quite a bit the same in, you know, you know XTV into radio. But I got into radio um, and it ex- it's an exciting immediate medium and um, makes a shed load of content on a daily, minute-by-minute basis. So it's a very vibrant thing. But the thing that disappointed me most was the pigeonholing on um, tactical execution. And um, we have spent a lot of time over the last few years and um, calling out Nikki Rook here, who's developed with our studio team this concept of brand sound um, and is working with um, a research uh, business out of the UK called Veritonic. And what they do is that they measure the impact of various uh, audio content for advertising and they're able to, like, identify how well that audio cuts through and how much resonance um, those audio advertising um, moments have with consumers. And it, it, it's really sparked a movement for me around audio and radio as being a, uh, the, the, the right addendum to your TV buy. I mean, people buy TV for the right reasons. They buy it for reach and they buy it for creative cut through. They also criticise TV because reach levels are down generally. And um, why can't we deploy radio as an extension to the TV campaign by creating audio spots that work with the TV spots and increase the brand salience, increase the reach and deliver a cross-platform R&F in that way that takes the heat right out of the whole TV reach thing and actually utilises broadcast media together to create a much better, bigger cut through for brands. And in that, in that moment, we are a branding medium and we spend a lot of money on research to prove campaign to campaign that we are having um, a brand awareness benefit and a cut through benefit. And so for us, uh, things like automation tools and a deeper research tool uh, and then, uh, you know, like a, um, you know, an in-stream tool with a DMP that's meaningful all of these things for me are heading towards growing the audio pie by getting a handle on more of that branded campaign work.
0: Joe, is there a brand-building black hole in audio
2: radio? Uh, look, I think forever. And um, I'd congratulate Brian first for being the new kid on the block. So welcome aboard, Brian, after five years. Thank you. <laughs> radio definitely has been known as the medium For retail, it it sells products. It's what makes radio famous. So you don't kind of want to move too far away from that. So if you're wanting a client wants a return on investment, they're most likely going to want to consider radio as part of that um, metric, part of that medium to incorporate into the strategy because it can shift products. The frequency of it allows us to communicate that message and, and move product for our clients, which is great. I would say that it is not looked at as the first medium if you want to build a brand, definitely. And that's because of the legacy that radio has had. And yet I get Brian spent a lot of money on research, but I feel like there's a bigger piece needed across the industry to really establish the, the benefits that radio can deliver from a branding perspective, um, playing alongside the retail component. So you kind of have a 80-20 scenario, 80% of the retail, and then you would do a 20% branding campaign. I just don't think that the industry holistically has arrived at that point. And for the reasons I've said before, there's no industry-wide piece that really talks to radio as being um, suitable for branding. And and at the end of the day, you you don't want to forget what made you famous. It can sell products and and, and post-COVID, clients are going to want to see a return on investment and radio should be a channel they would be considering um, as a go-to to deliver that.
0: Brian Gallagher, any 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 counter-thoughts? Well, I can't disagree with any
1: of that. And, you know, sticking to what you're famous for is always a sound strategy. Um, but if I can stick to what we're famous for and uh, on top of that, uh, talk about that topper funnel um, activity that I know we're also very good at. Um, you know, I think that, because um, we're not going to stop chasing direct-to-consumer advertisers, retail advertisers and tactical campaigning is in our DNA. Uh, but I, I really I, I think what I'm really getting at is that the the, the measurement metrics and the methodologies of yesteryear um, are not serving any of the platforms well. And when I say any of the platforms, uh, any of the broadcast, out of home uh, or radio, TV, it doesn't matter. Um, if you if if we can't get to a point eventually where we 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 can display the relative reach and frequency outcomes. Of a multiple platform buy, um, then we're really missing the game. We're missing the point, and I and I think that ultimately that's where, as an industry, when I say an industry, I'm am I'm, I'm talking radio, TV, outdoor a lot. Um, I think we've got to start thinking about where are those methodologies um, that 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 really talk about the relative benefits of of of, of these traditional media platforms because they're there. Um, we just carve up the argument into a million little pieces and let search and social get away with the big story. And it's not good enough, it's not good enough anymore.
0: Well, they're great points. Um, I will ask you the final question as we wrap up, both of you, and that is around the state of the market now and what it's looking like for the June quarter. Uh, Joe, we might start with you in that the the mood of your clients and what is it looking like for, for this next three months and then th- through and beyond. And I I caveat that by saying there is no right or wrong answer, right? Who knows what's going on? But uh, as it stands today, what does it look like for you?
2: Look, for us, um, quarter two has been really tough, obviously, across the board. Um, We're kind of predicting the total market to be back around 30%. We've recently seen a bit of a shift in terms of um, momentum for the first time we had. Uh, cancellations were less than new bookings that came in so that is a real pivot point in terms of the media owners now looking beyond what where we've been and looking to the future our clients are really looking to us to help them navigate what the next kind of three months or so would look like i think the government communication the, the the spending that's been injected into the economy is really providing a lot of consumer confidence out there The rhetoric around conversations being had around when this lockdown may end, which is really um, allowing consumers to feel more positive about we actually might get out of this pretty soon. Whether we go down to level one restrictions or even lower, anything like that will will allow our clients to start to plan more so with confidence about a return to market. We kind of see... um, a really fast uptake into that in that return as clients come back. And that planning phase between now and then is going to be critical to make sure we're equipped with the right strategies to communicate to our consumers in the right media channels in the right way.
0: So there's a lot of mid-range planning going on now in expectation, some sort of return, recovery.
2: That's exactly right.
0: Brian Gallagher, what is the market looking like for you in the June quarter and then your hunch on beyond?
1: Uh, yeah, look... Um Echoing uh, Joe's commentary on the national agency market, I think that's pretty much what we're seeing. That's the sort of minus 30s and um, depending on the platform, some people are getting a little bit uh, harder hit than that. Uh, So there's a a distribution um, there that's not always at the minus 30 level. So I think it's been well recognised that outdoor got a little bit harder hit. But the thing thing that... um, We are a a, a national audio business with um, stations uh, right across the country servicing as well the SME market, Uh, high street retailers, manufacturers. um, We have something in the order of about 14,000 to 15,000 clients out in in our regional markets and local direct and they're really getting hit because the shutdown has um, been most impactful on them. So one of our considerations right now is to make sure that our teams are on the ground visible offering a helping hand um, and that we've configured our on-air presence to be shouting out about uh, shop local look local be local and uh, we're calling out businesses you know that are open for business and delivering important services to our communities and really pivoting our attention to those that to that level of clients on the ground in all of our markets to to make sure that when we do get through this we get through this with 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 as much of our client base intact as we possibly can um i mean joe and her teams and 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 people like joe in the national agency scene are doing i think an extraordinary job of keeping their clients connected to advertising which i think is incredibly important and i i know they'll reap the benefit of that i think the team's It's been really exciting to see the level of connectiveness between my team and the agency teams in the work-from-home environment. It's been an incredible experience and I'm getting nothing but great feedback in the main about um, how it's actually working across the board. So, yeah, for us the focus is, 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 is going to be on maintaining that but also making sure that our SME clients are seeing us and that they know that we're here to help them. Uh, to get through this together.
0: I'm going to ask the final question uh, of both of you on your uh, respective sectors. So to Brian Gallagher first, do you think uh, there is some structural change that will fast-track post-COVID for the media agency business? And Joel, I'll ask you the same for media owners.
1: I don't think there's any business that's going to let a crisis go to waste when it comes to um, ensuring that they're match fit coming out the other end. So I think... Um, structures and cost structures uh, and um, processes are going to evolve. And a lot of my personal activity across the next um, two months is locked down in the diary, having sessions with various aspects of the business, looking at change. I expect the agency scene, the client scene, to be doing exactly the same. I mean, no one's going to look at, no one is going to let this go to
0: waste. Joe, uh, media owners, what do you think?
2: Look, I think some of the the changes that um, Brian suggested that media, media agencies will be making will be exactly the same the changes that the media owners will making. What we're experiencing is very similar to what they are experiencing. I mean, the processes will be re-looked really at. The way we're doing businesses business will be re-looked at, how we're communicating internally, how we communicate externally. I mean, one thing that really has come to light is how we talk to each other and the importance of communication. And from an agency perspective, it's so important to have that clear strategic communication with our clients. From a media owner perspective, it's really important for them to also have really clear honest, open communication to agencies. So I think there's so many learnings that are coming out now, and I think post-COVID will continue to come out as we look and reflect on, on the time that we had off, as we sat at home and, and worked really, really hard, and, and some busier than ever, um, as we try to navigate the way forward and, and put all the, the into practice, everything that we've learnt to come out of this on the other side, better businesses at the end of the day. We've got, we've got to take something out of this. We've got to be better and smarter
0: because of all this. Joe and Brian, enlightening conversation. That was uh, most fascinating. Thanks. Stay safe. And I think we'll loop around in a couple of months and check out, Joe, whether Brian's uh, done any of these things that he's talking about for the industry. We hope so. Uh, Thanks for joining. Stay safe. Thanks so much. Thank you. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes go to podcast1.com.au or search MI3 audio edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.